Right, uh, this is a new departure for a while because I want to express something different. Get away from the mathematics to talking about Vedic science and all of that. And um, feel a bit more relaxed about these um, recordings. And um, I was listening to something earlier on. And it is a Vedic recitation, or a recitation in Sanskrit of a mantra which is um, supposed to enliven happiness. And I said to myself, what is the mathematics of happiness? Is there such a thing as the mathematics of happiness. Is there such a way... I said I'd stop talking about mathematics, but um, I don't seem to be able to stop talking about mathematics. But is there a way to ensure that all... Um, and To me, this, this, this is a fundamentally important question. Is there such a way as to... Is there a way such as to ensure that mathematical thought, mathematics is thought such that mathematical thought is blissful. Because I was thinking to myself, what is the difference between a system based on logic and a system based such as the Vedic mathematical system, which is based, it's called maths with smiles. In other words, where um, the student gains enlightenment on the road, on their journey into mathematics. And when I put it all together, when I put all of these thoughts together, I said, this is like taking flight into a field of total bliss. Now, I suspect that such a thing is actually possible. But whether one can prove it or not, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with all of this, but I'm going to continue. And... Just so that anyone, I don't know whether I will keep this or whether I will um, get rid of it. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how we even contemplate what bliss is and where bliss comes from. And the notion of bliss comes from the phrase in Sanskrit, Satchit Ananda, Sat, Absolute Chit, consciousness, ananda is bliss. So it's absolute bliss consciousness. And it is that state of awareness where it's blissfully bubbling with happiness. And um, the Irish word for bliss is evenness. A-O-I-B-H-E. Aoi bishevu and evenness is bliss. 
and what it relates to is e being binus is a form of being which is sweet voiced blissful bliss can be heard in the voice it is a very very blissful and exuberant experience and I remember during my one, well, my one really um, escapade into teaching young children because I found that um, over the years that I was working on, on uh, Vedic maths and a lot, lots of other things, um, I didn't interact too much with um, children in this respect. I did a little bit. Um, but I was more focused, and uh, my own research was focused on um, sort of looking at how to develop Vedic mathematics in terms of universities, in terms of software development, and various other things like that. In other words, trying to interact with the third level in this respect, whereas other people were concerned with um, promoting Vedic mathematics in what we call national schools or primary education and others in secondary education. I was looking at promoting Vedic mathematics in third level and I did a certain amount of that with my local universities and with some of the other universities in Ireland. And um, they didn't, some of the people found it interesting but unfortunately the powers that be didn't and that's their prerogative. I'm not going to worry about that. That is not a very blissful topic with me. Um, I don't know where I am now. But I just keep talking. Yeah, one one of the things I wanted to point out here is that I've I've changed the methodology that I used for doing these talks. Um, and what I'm now doing is I am recording. Um, a concept and I will keep this concept taking flight into a field of total bliss and I will record it three times first second and then third is the final recording whatever comes out then is what's meant to come out at that particular moment in time but I was talking earlier on about the mathematics of happiness is it possible to um, develop a system of mathematics or a system of computation which gives rise to happiness and I think that's something that would be an extraordinarily beautiful um, potential area of study would it be possible to create happiness through mathematics and we can create lots of other things through mathematics. We can put a man on the moon using happiness. Sorry, using mathematics. We can delve into the origins of the universe um, using happiness, using mathematics. But could we actually create a system of mathematics 
which are a, a computational system, um, which, I mean, using music we can give rise to certain things, but could we do it using mathematics? In other words, are there... Um, no, that's, that's a very interesting thing. I don't know whether we could... I, I would hazard a guess to say that we could. I would hazard a guess that... Because I know that when, 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 when you work deeply in, in mathematics, you, 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 can, um, you can feel very powerful feelings and the question would be could you actually create a mathematical program i mean by a program in in it effectively is a series of um mental um Actions which would give rise to happiness within the individual, and I'm wondering, would this could this be equivalent to some form of a hmm? I'll leave that now, and I'm going to record over it in a minute. Right, um, taking flight into a field of total bliss. And in the previous versions I have talked a little bit about developing mathematics to the extent that we can begin to talk about the practice of mathematics as a blissful experience and also we can begin to wonder whether or not we can use mathematics to enliven bliss in a person's life in a person's experience and this is where Vedic mathematics will lead us and I know that from a Western perspective this may seem to lead us into areas which were unmathematical or non-mathematical but let's be honest about it mathematics needs to expand itself away from the very very limited structure that um, it is at present and you know oftentimes I find that when I challenge um, mathematical thinking and mathematics um, I find it's uh, I find it somewhat um, what's the word for it now um, I find it challenging within myself and that is because mathematics has a two and a half thousand year old history and that there are areas which are mathematical and there are areas which are non-mathematical. But in reality, everything 
is mathematical. Everything uses mathematics to one degree or another. And cooking is very precise, is very mathematical. Art is very precise, is very mathematical. Even art which tries to be very random is in itself very mathematical. And all areas of life are mathematical. And in one sense, mathematics is the most subjective of um, the what would be termed scientific disciplines. And being the most subjective of what are the scientific disciplines it is the one which will lead us most popularly, if that's the right word, um, into the area of bliss. And if we wish to, I'll take read this again, take flight into a field of total bliss, then the best way to achieve this is to use mathematics as a means of um, getting there. Now this isn't exactly coming out the way I want it to come out, but again that is the purpose of these talks, is just to give me the freedom and to actually express these ideas for myself. And what I'm trying to do here is to consider how to create a, or a mathematical system which will integrate the objective reality or the objective approach of Western science with the subjective approach of Eastern knowledge or Eastern... I don't like to use the word mysticism um, because a lot of the Eastern disciplines are just as highly structured, if not more structured, than the Western disciplines. And it's a matter of, of bringing both of those approaches together and thereby gen developing a coherent approach to knowledge. And if we are to change the way that mathematics is performed in our schools, then we are obviously going to change the way that the philosophy underlying our educational system. And um, this will basically mean that we, we, we need to integrate the three aspects of knowledge within the brain physiology. I'm just looking at my... Oh, it's all right. My computer's all right. It's acting a little bit strange right at the moment. Um, it must mean I'm getting a little bit too close to um, the core of knowledge. And that will happen. Um, I have had an affinity with computers going back... Um, oh, a long, long time. Because I wrote my first computer program in about 1978. 
and um, I've been working on computers on and off ever since and I've seen them um, change from very big clunking machines down to these lovely little machines that we have at the moment and I remember once I was I was working in University College Cork it was while I was doing my PhD and it was very very late at night but well late as in those days it was 11 or 12 o'clock and um, I was expecting I was running a very very large program I, a fortune program is about 70,000 lines of code and the results were coming out about one every second or one every couple of seconds and I was looking at the first few digits and I said to myself I was able to predict what the first few digits were and there was no way I should have been able to predict what the first few digits were and I had an immediate feeling of what uh, Arthur Kessler would have called the ghost in the machine that there was uh, that I had created some form of an intelligence which was communicating with me and um, I was reading something there today or yesterday about um, quantum field theory uh, from the book on consciousness-based education, uh, the volume dealing with physics, and I was re- I was reading uh, John Hagelin's paper. Um, is is consciousness the unified field, or some title like that? Hold on, no, I, I can get it here. I just checked to see what exactly the name. And my computer went a little bit funny earlier on. Um, and it's like file open recent. Consciousness bookmarks. Restructuring physics from its foundation. That's the paper I was reading. And it basically builds up the foundations of physics um, and it correlates the nomenclature nomenclature of um, standard physics with the names that are used in um, Maharishi Vedic science. And... You know, the language language is very important. The language we use in computing, the language we use in mathematics, the language we use in everything else is very, very important. And these are some things which I will start to discuss um, in the next little while. But I've lost my train of thought now, so I must be in the field of total bliss. And um, i get back into it again at the next stage. Okay. Shine Gurmagat Agus Slan. Right, I've entitled this towards a a new philosophy of mathematics. And um, I suppose what I want to do is to begin to outline, based on my own experience in terms of pure mathematics, applied mathematics, computation, um, and the existing philosophy which exists there, and also 
given my own experiences in terms of Vedic science, Vedic knowledge, and the philosophy of knowledge, which is existent within the uh, Vedic paradigm, and how, in one sense, they can be brought together, and how, um, because it's one thing that I suppose I have given a lot of thought to over the last um, how many years now, I'm just trying to think. I first came across Vedic mathematics in 2000 and, sorry, 1994, so 20 years this year. And um, when I came across them, the one thing that entered into my head and I never realized that I would have not have the answer to this question 20 years later, I just did not understand how come these methods were not being made available in our schools. And um, I suppose my journey over the past 20 years to a large extent has been exploring this within the context of the Irish educational system, which is quite similar to the educational systems in many countries around the world who follow the educational system of, a, of let's say, a modern society. And, um, you know, it's I, I, I find it somewhat um, dissatisfying that the educational system has become so closed to knowledge which um, doesn't necessarily have its basis in, in a purely scientific um, methodology. And I must say that the the knowledge, the current knowledge of what is appropriate for um, use in our schools, this current knowledge is um, sadly lacking in certain things, and that was most notable because of the great calculator debate. I've already spoken about that, and I'm not going to go into it in great detail. But the fact that calculators were introduced into our schools and then they were sort of taken away. At the moment, I don't know what the situation is. I know that children are in, or young students are introduced to calculators in schools, and that's fine. But I did notice at one stage that um, some of the questions on the Leaving Cert were posed in such a way that you had to use a calculator. Now, I find that actually to be wrong because it's discriminating against someone who wants to use their mind. Why are there no questions on mental mathematics in, in our Leaving Cert? Why are there no uh, questions on mental mathematics in our Junior Cert? Is mental mathematics completely um, divorced from our educational system? It would appear that our educators no longer seem to um, be aware of the absolute necessity of training the mind to perform mental arithmetic. And um, not alone does the mind, do our minds get a, a joy and a satisfaction from that, but it actually develops 
I believe that it, it mental mathematics um, training develops what I call neuristics, neural heuristics in the mind. That it is part of the growth of um, mental abilities. And um, that when these mental abilities are not developed in the mind, when these neuristics are not developed in the mind, then um, people become fearful. And it's one of the things that I detected in the last 20 years, because I spoke with many, many hundreds, if not thousands of people over that time, all in a, well, mo mostly in a, a very, very informal um, setting about mental arithmetic. And in fact, I met a friend of mine or an acquaintance of mine the other day, Ivan, or Ivan, from France, and um, I happened to have my computer with me and my uh, website, this particular website that I have up here, was, was up on it, and he was looking at it. And he says, is that yours? I says, it is, yeah. And he was looking at the example there of multiplying a number by 11. I said, wow! He said, is that, is that, does that work for everyone? No, I said, it's just very specific for multiplication by 11. Wow, he said, that's absolutely wonderful. Hmm, are there any others there? And he, well, we got into a conversation, and his, um, he's in his, I don't know, late 20s, early 30s, or whatever else. And he is the mind of a child. And what I have discovered is that um, people um, are very, very interested in these techniques except when they have to teach them in schools. And I would request that people examine the philosophical basis for the teaching of arithmetic in our schools. What is the philosophical basis for the teaching of arithmetic in our schools. What are they trying to achieve through the teaching of arithmetic in our schools? In particular, now I say in particular arithmetic, because arithmetic, unlike what the pure mathematicians may say, and unlike, un unlike what they may wish, arithmetic, a solid foundation in arithmetic, is a solid foundation in all of mathematics. And one of the nice things about the Vedic system is the ability to use um, arithmetic as a means of introducing concepts in less, what may be called higher mathematics. In other words, a concept in arithmetic can be used to illustrate a particular property. And... Um, I'm trying to think of one now. Well, it's just a basic one of multiplication. There's a very g generic formula for multiplication in Vedic mathematics, which can be used to introduce the concept of multiplication in algebraic systems. And there are other examples whereby you can use um, simpler forms to exhibit behaviour 
in different mathematical structures. And that's a, it's quite a common thing in mathematics anyway. But it's not generally um, sort of the, the, the links are written down there in English. No, originally they originate in, uh, I think it's an appendix of the Atharva Veda, one aspect of the Vedic literature, even though there is some controversy in India as to exactly where um, they occur. So, what what um, one of the nice things also just I'm just going to talk generally about Vedic mathematics here is that depending on the ability of a student in a particular area of mathematics, the teacher can tailor the 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 the, the point of the lesson to suit generally speaking, every single student um, because of the richness of the techniques of Vedic mathematics. And what I say is that, this, is that the mathematics is changed to suit the student. It's the mathematics is tailored to suit the student rather than tailoring the student to suit the mathematics. Now that requires, a much, in a sense, it requires a more intense teaching methodology. Um, and in one sense, it's sort of a, a discussion methodology. Rather than that you learn mathematics, that you learn one particular way of doing something. In that there is a whole load of different little differences, little techniques, which a student may use and I know that um, 